Welcome back to another episode of Talking Chaos. I'm the Condor, and this is season two. Super excited, starting off the new year really well. I've got Michael Norman Gute with me in the studio. He's a fellow graduate of Owasso High School with myself. We, I think we were like associates. Like we, we weren't really close friends, but we definitely hung out with each other on more than one occasion. Mm-hmm. Michael is a painter, and if I... If I'm correct, and I'm assuming this, I haven't actually discussed this with you, but I believe you're oil on canvas medium? Yeah, I mean, I shake it up a little bit and and use spray paint and different things, but mostly oil, yeah. Yeah, Fuck yeah, I love a good spray paint. (laughs) I used to make t-shirts out of spray paint when I was in high school, because I was just bored. So you're a painter out of Detroit. That's right. When, When did you move to Detroit? I, so I, well, I left Owasso pretty quickly as soon as I could. Owasso's where we went to high school, of course. But um, I like bounced around Michigan for a little while because of college and just life things. But I slowly was inching towards Detroit. And finally, I moved there about three years ago. What made you want to choose Detroit? I, so I was looking for a job. And I am a fundraiser, like every artist seems to have a day job, and my day job is fundraising for universities. So I was looking for all these, you know, different places to fundraise, get a job, and it was, it took months to find one. And ultimately, I didn't get the one that I was hoping that I was going to get, and I panicked, and I applied to a university in Detroit called Wayne State University, and it all happened really fast. And I ended up getting the job. It was the best place for me. And I moved to Detroit. And I had no idea what Detroit was like in 2017. And I thought, like, this will be a great place. I can have cheap rent. And uh, I was totally wrong. (laughs) It's different now. Often when anybody moves to a big city, you realize very quickly that what you anticipated is not going to be the case. Yeah, I had no idea. It is a really awesome and creative and interesting place to live, but the history of it and like the economic and social and cultural and racial history of Detroit, it is so heavy and so long and so detailed and nuanced and uh, prickly that um, I had no idea what I was getting into. And it's, it's fascinating. Um, it's a fascinating way to learn about that part of our history. Oh, no. And I've always had this fascination with the cultural background of Detroit. Like there's with the riots in the 60s and yeah. music has always seemed to be this crucial staple of the culture here. Uh, it's impacted our entire nation musically. It's part of the world. Um, so I, I don't know. Detroit's sort of like an odd mecca for us in the Midwest. and. Um, I wondered why city like Chicago didn't appeal to you more. 
because it has such this like weird art culture mm-hmm. and that a lot a lot of people go there specifically to seek that out i in my head at least i think of chicago as being more artsy than detroit but i believe that's changing yeah i mean i it it very well may be changing we all hear about detroit having this renaissance and having now living in it i can say that the detroit that i moved to three years ago is not the same detroit that exists today it really is changing that fast um i i really believe that like god puts you where you're supposed to be and i didn't ask a lot of questions i didn't force my fate i just kind of ended up in detroit and it turned out to be exactly where I need to be. And I'm starting to sense like, I'm starting to sense a little bit of change in the future. And I don't know how long Detroit will be a part of my life, um, my daily life. I think some things are coming on the horizon and I, I anticipate maybe some geographical changes. You know, I'm thinking like, like you said, Chicago's got a great art scene. Well, so does New York and mm-hmm. so does a lot of other places. And I think I'm I'm just kind of feeling myself being pulled in that direction. I feel like the art is ready. Uh, I'm ready. And um, things are moving forward. But Detroit is the place where I started to really experiment and take my art career really seriously. And it's been so- a lot of fun. So I'm going to tell the audience real quick that I have no context for what our art is. Like I, I, I'm not an art researcher. My favorite art piece is Nighthawks by Edward Hopper. It's got to be the most Aww. like ridiculously quintessential art piece. And a ton of people know about it. It's not very nuanced. It's just that like it's it's very pop culturey, right? Mm-hmm. That's the only sense I have for art is pop culture and what I've learned through the culture that I have. I love your art. There's this very odd, colorful darkness to it that I really enjoy. And this primitive sort of, uh, I think of the art paintings done in the caves of France. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Oh my primitive God. artwork. This is what your stuff reminds me of, of, of people, of like this semi-childish nature to, mm-hmm. to artwork. And um, I don't know, it's, it's got me definitely fascinated with who you are. I've always liked you. You're a great guy. Um, if anybody wants to check out Michael's artwork, in October of 2020, he's going to be at Affirmations Pittman Pluckett, I'm sorry, Puckett Gallery in Detroit. Definitely check him out if you're in the area. And then March 17th through April 24th, 6th, 2020, Michael will be at the Shiawassee Arts Council in Owasso, Michigan. So again, if you're in the area, definitely check those out. Uh, They're really interesting galleries. I've been to the Shiawassee Art Council and I I love it. Like it's the only thing that we have artistically going for us in Owasso. Um, But it's really cool what they've done there. And as much as I uh, have checked out Affirmations Pittman Puckett Gallery online. I would love to check the place out in person. I've yet to do that. Um, anybody who wants to check out Michael's artwork, go to geekworks.com and check out his Instagram, which is? Oh, M-N-G-U-T-E. Uh, for Instagram, M-N-G-U-T-E. 
definitely follow him on Instagram because he's he's the, an interesting dude. He'll add a little culture to your day if you're seeking that. Um, when did you know that you wanted to do this, like be a painter? Well, I think that for like literally the last 10 years, I've been afraid of being an artist. Uh, and I think, I think that's natural. I think most artists should be afraid of being an artist because frankly, it is not easy. Um, and you know, I've like, I've got a great day job. I've got a great life. So that gives me a lot of stability that a lot of other artists don't have, but it is difficult, you know? And so I knew that I could be an artist for a long time and I kind of knew how that came about. I, I grew up in a really isolated place in Owasso on a farm and I spent a lot of time alone. And I think when you're alone as a kid, you really exercise these creative muscles to entertain yourself, to create your own worlds. Um, and I think that imagination is definitely key to creating enjoyment out of where you are in that isolated atmosphere. Absolutely. Being out in the country, away from even a tiny town like Owasso, you just feel alone and you have to fight that loneliness with creativity and imagination. Uh, I totally, that is spot on, um, spot on. And, you know, I think there's something really beautiful about being alone. I think there's something really beautiful about being able to uh, be comfortable and okay alone because our minds are like completely fascinating and amazing when you're conscious enough and self-aware enough to really look in and think, what am I thinking? Like, what is, <laughs> you know, what are the stories that I tell myself all day, every day? And when you witness those and kind of become present to those, it gives you a lot of information about yourself. So I think that's where the creativity and the storytelling comes from. But frankly, being an artist, um, I felt like I made a decision to do that very seriously just a few years ago. Oh, that's kind of, it's, it's interesting for me to imagine that decision having taken place so recently, because mm -hmm. I think I, along with a lot of other people that knew you on a semi-personal way, always identified you as an artist. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably true. Um, I think artists, you know, I, I, I guess what I mean to say when I made the decision to be an artist is I made a decision to commit to the discipline and the, um, the practice that it takes to respect this, the gift that I've been given. And, and we all have gifts. I'm not like special, but you know, people who are creatives, people who have certain talents, they're all gifts. And we get to choose to acknowledge them and to appreciate them and to use them. And I don't think up until a few years ago, I properly acknowledged and took responsibility for the gift that I have to be an artist. I mean, it's, it's a great thing. You're a fucking badass, dude, for what you just said. I, th I just want everybody to know that I've got a giant smile on my face because it's, I, I like, I know that. I know that inner skeptic where you're like, am I good enough? Is it worth me pursuing this? How, how heartbroken am I going to be if I fail? 
-hmm. how much work am I going to have to put in to make this the project, the career that I want it to be? Like, there's a ton of questions, and for years they'll plague you until you fight them with an answer. So yeah. I love what you're doing, and I think you're empowered, man. Like you, it seems like you're empowered, and uh, you speak about yourself dealing with these inner conflicts as if it were a prior time, as if you've like, like that's in the past. Now I've committed to what I am and what I'm doing, and it's full force ahead. Let's go. And I'm yeah. super excited for you. <laughs> well, I can, and you know what? I can tell that you can kind of relate to it. I mean, doing what you're doing now, like I think everybody can relate to, to that. I think that's what life is. I think it's, um, yeah, I don't, I think a lot of people don't even ever get to that point where they have the self-reflection, the courage, the confidence, the amount of love that they need to just look at themselves, accept it, use their strengths and, you know, kind of turn their will over to whatever they're supposed to be. I think we all are born with everything we're supposed to have and we can do anything with that. Uh, so it's just, it's just, it's really scary to be alive. <laughs> it's hard to be alive. Uh, I totally feel you. <laughs> I, uh, I started this podcast as a means to try to helped me deal with waking up every day. Like, yeah. I'm an adult. This sucks. How do I cope with life? Well, why don't I start a, a medium to try to explain to other people that we're all going through this, that it's rough for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody who's waking up every day like super pumped super geeked every single day 365 days a year are in denial about something <laughs> I, oh god i don't trust those people i don't i don't know anybody who does that i know people who have instagrams that look like that or facebook's that look like that but i don't trust that i'm like happy 15 percent of the time the rest of the time i'm moody and i'm hungry You're like a brother from another mother. Like, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, and the hungry part, like, I'm always hungry. And yet I somehow have to force myself to eat. Like, I hate being an adult. This sucks. Yeah, um, how long on average does it take you to complete a piece? Okay, so I work in a way that can be extreme. I have set myself up to work in the most dramatic and torturous way. Um, so I have a, a relatively big studio compared to most. And I like to, I go through these phases where, okay, I'm, I'm drawing. I only draw on canvas. I rarely draw on paper because my work is so spontaneous that I could make something really beautiful and then I, I can't replicate it. It's it's just spontaneous happenings. So I always draw on canvas in case the drawing turns into a painting. And um, so I'll go through these phases where I will literally draw pictures and, and narratives on these canvases for weeks. And I will have maybe 40, 50 paintings, big paintings. And they'll all be started. And none of them will have any color. Um, 
and They're then just I black and white sketches with a pencil on canvas. Yeah, well, I draw with a brush with ink. Okay. A lot of the time, so I, you know, and then I do this, and all of these these forty or fifty paintings, they all get started relatively at the same time, and they all move forward at the same time because I get really bored. I could never stare at a, the same painting for more than twenty five minutes or an hour, and. It's also great because when I have all these paintings started and they're slowly working towards something, um, if something's not working, then I can just throw it aside for a long time and I can work on the next painting. So that, I mean, it sounds like I've got a lot of options and that's great and I do, but when all of the paintings aren't finished and I have an art show like the one at Shiawassee Arts Center coming up in March, I stand back and I'm like, oh God, I have nothing finished. Nothing's good. I don't like anything. And um, so it can be really hard to trust the process because the stakes are so high. But just about two weeks ago, I finally turned a corner and paintings are starting to finish. And the, a, a great way, uh, a great thing about working this way is that now all the paintings are finishing once and I'm having the time of my life and it's so much fun. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm really glad we did this interview now and not two yeah. weeks ago because your state of mind would have been completely different. I, that, I was totally thinking about that. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to Connor and I'm going to sound so self-involved and devastated and tortured and depressed. But I oh, it's cool. You would have sounded good. like every other artist out there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, what did, did you set out to create these primitive pieces? Like I compared them to uh, cave drawings. And I, yeah. it seems like you really appreciated that. Is that something that you set out to do? Or is, was that just a byproduct of what you did and how you did it? I think... I think that, well, first of all, that compliment about the cave drawings, I mean, in, like that is a huge compliment. Um, I, I love this uh, art critic named Jira Saltz. He's very famous and he, uh, he loves cave drawings. And he says that like the, the greatest artists are the ones who are de-skilling, uh, the ones who are, they go to art school, they learn all the skills, they learn how to paint perfectly, and then they slowly reject that throughout their career, and then they make the best art once they finally get rid of all those skills. I'm a painting major dropout. I graduated in art history. I, I loved studying painting, but I hated learning the skills. So there, there have been a lot of times where I think, oh shit, I should have learned the rules before I decided to break them. I can't draw well enough. Every artist thinks that about themselves, by the way. And um, I don't so, think you're a true artist unless you think that about yourself, honestly. True, <laughs> probably. And so, you know, when you say that and when you see, when you, you said that you saw that in my work, it made me happy because it means that, I, I mean, I think creating interesting work is about not using skill. It's about using the things that I value, which is intuition and color and shape and block and all of that. So, I mean, to me, I find that a really great compliment. I think the most interesting art for me to look at are the paintings that aren't trying to trick you, that aren't trying to fool you into thinking it's real. I don't think that stuff speaks to the soul. So, and that's what I'm all about. 
So long story to say uh, that, or short version is to say that, yeah, I do intend my work to look like that, but I don't plan my work out. I, I just paint and then I get to some point where it looks finished to me. It feels finished. It's telling a story and then I back away from it and I look at it for the first time. I, I'm totally enamored by your Instagram feed. I probably shouldn't have it up while we're looking, like talking <laughs> to each other, but it's hypnotizing. And I'm trying to find different fascinating ways to project to an audio-oriented audience what physical beauty, like, do you get what I'm saying? I'm trying to find a way to describe your artwork to people who can't see it while yeah. they're listening to this, which is a very difficult thing in and of itself. And at the same time, I feel like an asshole because that's garbage. Like the best thing to do would be to check out his Instagram feed. Okay. But <laughs> with that in mind, there's this earthy sort of Picasso cave drawing nature to what you're doing. That's mm -hmm. the, the, like the simplistic version, which again feels tainted by the fact that it's simple like artwork to me is so complex and nuanced that you you have to write an essay about it to give it enough detail to bring to life the sort of imagination that it conjures yeah i get it a and sentence is bullshit <laughs> it's not enough there's there's hardly enough words in the english language to describe what our eyes can take in visually. So it's, I'm having a very difficult time relaying to the audience the sort of artwork that you do. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I get it. And, you know, like talking about art, like if, if I'm looking at a painting and I need to read something about it in order to understand it, or if I need to read the label, um, and Jerry Saltz would love hearing me say this, uh, if I need to read a label about a painting for me to have it mean something to me, then that to me, that's not good art. Like lately I've been most interested in immediate impact. Um, when I leave the studio and I leave a painting on the easel and I come back the next day and I see that image for the first time in a while, that's when I decide, is it done? Is it good? Do I like it? I don't need to study it. I don't need to, find uh meaning in little things i think that i think art should be really enjoyable and i don't think you need to be super smart or super knowledgeable about art history to love it and uh and i don't like telling people what it should mean for you my the titles of my work are usually pretty vague um, sometimes that makes people uncomfortable, but I think it lets you create your own interpretation. And I love to hear people's interpretations of my work. Sometimes it is way better than I ever intended. And then other times people will say, uh, why is there a big dick in your painting? And I'm like, I didn't realize I painted a dick and I have a problem. <laughs> I put dicks in a lot of things. <laughs> and I need people like you, Connor, to look at my art and tell me if you see dicks because I don't intend there to be dicks. Well, I did. You bring this up, and I have to acknowledge it now because we have a lot of like mutual friends because we went to school together. So, one <laughs> of my closest friends, uh, Dave Krinko, who's been on the show multiple times, oh, cool. told me that he heard something once about your work and that you like to hide a woman's breast in there. <gasps> 
Like every one of your pieces allegedly has a hidden women's breast. Some of them are more blatant than others, but every single one of them has one. And I can't verify one way or the other, nor do I wish to, because that's not what it's about. But I thought it interesting. And apparently just, and honestly, it, it, to me, it's a, it's more of a reflection of the sexuality of culture. Yeah. Like the fact that people are seeing this, regardless of whether or not you're putting it in there intentionally, like that's the part that's significant. It's not whether or not you're putting it in there. It's that they're seeing it because we choose what we see. Uh, One of my favorite words to describe how we take information in is pareidolia. You've heard this. It's, uh, It's your mind misinterpreting information into what it wants to recognize. Mm. So like seeing Jesus in your toast, that's pareidolia. Seeing a rabbit in the clouds, that's pareidolia. It's your mind attaching uh, an object that you recognize to a physical um, illustration or depiction that you otherwise might not be able to make out. That and I've always enjoyed great. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fascinating because for like, if you're looking at abstract art, which my art is not fully abstract at all, which, uh, but it, there's a lot of ab- abstraction to it. Yes. Um, that means everybody can look at it. Everybody can interpret their own story, their own images. We all have a collection of images in our head that are associated with words, associated with shapes. And it's how we shape our emotions. Emotions. You're right. Absolutely. And um, it's, it's that's, and and culturally we all agree on a lot of it, but the changes, the, the differences from person to person, that's the stuff that makes each person have their own colorful, special, 100% their perspective. That's what makes us a little bit different from the next person. Well, and it's also what defines subjectivity to artwork. Like, that's why artwork is non-objective for a reason. Because there's yeah. different people are going to walk up to it and Paradali is going to take over in different ways in their mind based on who they are. And that's what creates this, like, totally gray spectrum of artwork and creation. I love it. I'm totally fascinated with it. I'm a natural rebel. Like I inherently enjoyed punk music in high school (laughs) and I wanted to figure out what rules I could get away with breaking because fuck the rules, man. And so artwork to me is this like contained anarchy. It's this way for people to take these very familiar subjects and pareidolia and run wild with imagination emotion i've seen art art pieces that i'm like that's punk rock and i love (laughs) it you get what i mean like there's something about pieces that they hit us and i brought up nighthawks by edward hopper because to me that particular piece is about loneliness and the sort of attraction of the night but also the loneliness of it and I don't know, I've always identified as the, the stranger in that particular painting. 
I'm a weird dude and that when I get obsessed with something, I'm obsessed with it. So I did a bunch of research on like what people refer to the characters in that painting as. Mm-hmm. And the guy sitting by himself next to the couple is called the stranger. And I've loved it. I love that concept. I love that people put that much energy into what this guy created in however long it took him to create it. And I hope that people do the same about your pieces. I look forward to it because I think they're going to. Uh, I think you're going to have a ton of success and um, I can't wait. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, What do you think about what you're doing? I think that, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't just, I can't be, I have to be honest. Like I don't really right now you caught me in such a good week because I make all these paintings. (laughs) So I'm having this moment where I'm like, thinking, my God, I'm a freaking genius. Like, I'm amazing. I love these paintings. Like, and, and, it was you know, me two weeks ago. I'm you two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get it. And so, and, but two weeks ago, I was like, shit, I'm a fraud. Um, that all these paintings are a huge waste of time and let alone money because I buy pre stretched canvas. Uh, I don't have time to stretch now. And, uh, you know, so it's this, it's of course this big fight. It's this big turbulent, you know, war that every artist totally understands. But what I think of my art right now is I'm not, cre- is that I'm, I'm like proud of it. Not because I think it's, it is genius or that it's so good. It's that I'm making art that I want to do. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. I'm painting things that I love. I'm painting art that I would hang in my house, that I would surround myself with. I'm painting art that I'm proud to, uh, to create. And, you know, I do have a little self-doubt. I think, well, I'm just a Midwestern person. I'm not, I haven't seen enough art to know whether or not I'm even original. Um, but frankly, I think that isolation, keeping your head down, working every day, doing all of these things, I think there's no way not to be original. And um, at the same time, Socrates said originality is dead. So if it was dead 2000 years ago, you're doomed. I wouldn't worry too much about originality. (laughs) (laughs) I think most Uh, of it is the, uh, the getting done, the working through like that's don't focus on the originality part. It's the finishing. Let's start and finish, and we'll continue to do that until our hands bleed. I agree. <laughs> that's and that's like that's what is that's all about life. Like some somewhere, I like figured this out, or I learned it from the people around me. And I, I'm actually sober. I've been sober for many years, and I have a support group in within the sober community um, in Alcoholics Anonymous. So. And we're all about action. We're all about not thinking about it and just doing it. And I'm finding that all you need to do is just to do it. Just work. Work comes from work. And there's no reason to sit back and think about it. If you want a better life, if you want a better job, if you want anything, quit thinking about it. Get up and do something about it. And that's how you make things happen. So you're totally right. Uh, when it comes to the paintings, you just work on them. You just show up and something happens. We're going to have more with Michael in the second half of the show about um, 
his experience with uh, alcoholism. And in the second half of the show, the full bush, you can go to patreon.com slash talking check chaos. It's, it'll cost you 10 bucks. Listen to the second half of the show. Um, I do want to thank our patrons this month. Alicia G, Mike S, Chelsea B, Stacy M, and Allie S. You guys are great. Thanks for contributing. We really appreciate it. And I wouldn't be able to put the show uh, together without you. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up here, Michael. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. And, and we're going to have more with you in, in a second. Uh, if you want to check out more of Michael's pieces, go to uh, uteworks.com or instagram at mngute g-u-t-e mm-hmm. um i really pre this has been a super fun conversation uh we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back thank you guys for listening this week and we'll see you next week mm-hmm.